When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I lived in a forested part of a coal mining town where my grandfather built a log cabin. As a teenager, I didn't sleep much for whatever reason. Because of that, I would go for walks at night. Nothing too strange ever happened except an occasional whistling noise that I would only hear during my walks. Not when I'm sitting on the deck or wandering the yard. I'm not sure if this is even related to the following event. 
One night I was talking with my grandfather in his office about that unfamiliar sound. He usually always had an answer, but not this time. We joked around about its possible origins, and then I said good night. My phone had been dead for a few hours at this point, but midway down the steps. It turned on and started playing Walking After Midnight by Patsy Cline, but only the I'm always walking after midnight, searching for you. Part before shutting off again, my phone has been dead for at least two hours at this point, and that was not the last song I was listening to. I tried turning it back on to see if maybe I was mistaken that it died, but it flashed the dead battery symbol for a moment before going black again. Then my grandfather, whose office is only a few feet from the steps, calls out another fun fact. Patsy Klein died in a plane crash on my birthday. Obviously, I didn't go for a walk that night or at all until I got a dog. If this story is interesting at all, I have more that may or may not be connected to this event. Back when I was in grade school, I had a memorable turkey hunting experience in the wilderness of Missouri. It was a crisp morning, and I set out with my gear, filled with anticipation for a successful hunt. Little did I know that the events of that day would forever etch themselves in my memory. As I patiently waited in my concealed spot, hoping to catch a glimpse of a turkey, I noticed a sudden burst of movement in the distance. A deer darted through the underbrush, pursued closely by two energetic coon hounds. Startled, I watched as they disappeared into the wilderness, leaving me intrigued by their unexpected presence. A couple of minutes passed, and to my surprise, a solid black figure emerged from the shadows, following the path of the deer and hounds. Assuming it was another dog, I thought nothing of it and continued to wait for my chance at a turkey. However, as time ticked by, an inexplicable sensation washed over me, tingling the hairs on the back of my neck. Something felt off. Instinctively, I turned around, a shiver of unease running down my spine. And there it was, a mere ten yards away, steadily advancing towards me, utter silence enveloping its presence. The sight before me was striking. An ebony creature with piercing eyes, making its way towards me with an uncanny grace. Its movements were fluid, and the absence of sound intensified the eerie encounter. I stood there, frozen in awe and confusion, unsure of what lay before me. In that fleeting moment, the black enigma altered its course, as if startled by my sudden awareness. With a quick change of direction, its tail dropped to the ground, forming a slight curl, a telltale sign of feline instincts. It was a sight that I would forever remember, a black crawler, a creature whose existence was often denied by the conservation authorities at the time, despite numerous reported sightings. In retrospect, I speculated that the majestic predator must have been drawn to the motion of my decoy as I walked through the brush. Perhaps it perceived the decoy as potential prey, silently stalking its simulated target. But my inadvertent turn had disrupted its plan, causing it to retreat into the wilderness, leaving me both relieved and intrigued by the encounter. My old neighbor, who committed death shortly after his experience, came to me with his experience. 
We were both registered Maine guides, hunting, fishing, recreation. Guiding in Maine is a serious business. The criteria are strict, and guides are expert woodsmen with years of outdoors experience. Anyway, he confided in me about this sighting. He was hunting his own property during deer season of 2011. The property is located on the Jefferson-Washington town lines, which are also the Knox-Lincoln County lines, in Maine. The particular property is a Christmas tree farm, and is private property. My friend was watching a run where deer regularly traveled cutting through his property. He observed for about a minute a bipedal creature walking, with its upper body well above his Christmas trees. It had a wolf's head, was muscular and covered in hair, but walking like a man. At the end of the sighting, the creature dropped to all fours and took off down the run. He was shaking when he told me the story, and based upon my few years working in law enforcement, I don't believe he was lying. Both of us guided for bear hunters at the time, and I know he was very familiar with bears and Maine wildlife in general. He made a particular emphasis on the pointed ears. He said it looked like a werewolf. In Maine, people do see these things and generally call them Wendigo. After that sighting, I carried a firearm going to my barn at night. I am certain that he told me the truth. Unfortunately, he for some reason committed it shortly after he told me about the sighting, which was very fresh at the time. The area has some large tracts of woods with very limited access due to private property. There is a stream passing through the area and some high ridges. Also, old cellar holes and stone walls are scattered throughout the forest behind the property. Food sources are plentiful in the area, with old apple trees, berry patches, deer turkey, snowshoe hares. Bears are present in the area, but not in huge numbers. Moose are also present, but again, not in huge numbers. While I still own a house very near the spot, I have moved to South Dakota and have no intention of moving back to Maine due to political economic reasons. I am curious if other Maine folks have seen these things. It seems to me that people have, but always in hushed conversations about an uncle. Several years ago, during a chilling October evening, my friend and I embarked on a drive from Waldo to Cultus. The road was familiar to us, but as dusk settled in, the surrounding landscape transformed into an eerie and shadowy realm. As we maneuvered through the dwindling light, our headlights pierced the darkness, revealing an unexpected sight. A lone figure emerged from the gloom, trudging forward despite the biting cold. Clad only in a t-shirt and shorts, he seemed ill, prepared for the harsh elements that awaited him on his journey towards Cultus. Concerned for his well-being, we decided to stop and offer him a ride. Rolling down the window, I called out to him, asking if he needed assistance and if he wanted a lift to the nearby resort. To my surprise, his response sent a shiver down my spine. With an unsettling intensity in his eyes, the man looked at me and uttered a phrase that still echoes in my memory. You're going to take me to Lapine. His words were laced with an inexplicable demand, as if he expected nothing less than compliance. Caught off guard by his unwavering insistence, I attempted to reason with him, explaining that we were unable to accommodate his request to travel all the way to Lapine. I offered to drop him off at the resort, 
which was a more reasonable distance. However, his response was far from what I expected. In an alarming twist, the man swiftly produced a pocket knife, the glint of the blade reflecting the fading light. He repeated his demand with a chilling certainty. You're taking me to La Pine. The gravity of the situation suddenly became all too real, and the adrenaline surged through my veins. Maintaining a calm facade, I assessed the situation and made a quick decision. Sensing the potential danger, I chose to prioritize our safety and promptly drove away, leaving the mysterious man to his solitary trek in the desolate darkness. It was the year 2013 in Sangin, Afghanistan, late at night. While on post, I had a thermal device attached to my RCO, allowing me to scan the southern green zone. Out of nowhere, a bright white blip materialized in the sky. It didn't appear to have flown in from any direction, but rather merged within my thermal view. Intrigued, I paused my observation through the scope and noticed that the blip transformed into a hovering red light. Without hesitation, I radioed the Command Operations Center, COC, to inquire if we had any aircraft in the area. They confirmed that we didn't, and my comrade on post also witnessed the peculiar sight. Post 3 radioed in as well, validating that they too had visual contact with the object. The object started moving in an unconventional triangular pattern intermittently pausing to hover before resuming its triangular routines. Suddenly it accelerated, zooming away at an incredible speed, seemingly transitioning from a standstill to Mach 1 in an instant, and then it vanished. None of us could explain what we had just witnessed. Surprisingly, the object would reappear in different locations at random intervals throughout our deployment considering we had only about 100 personnel on the forward operating base. Foe B, news of the sighting spread rapidly. Many of the guys on post during the winter would catch glimpses of it as well. At times, we would even gather near the walls to catch another glimpse of this enigmatic phenomenon. It was an undeniably strange occurrence, and I found solace in the fact that others had also witnessed it. I was fishing near Vico, Italy, at the exact spot where I'd witnessed an airborne disc on the 24th. Suddenly, a tall, thin man approached me, showing a keen interest in flying saucers. He even offered me a cigarette with a gold tip, but as soon as I smoked it, it made me sick, and he callously threw it into the water. After this strange encounter, he simply walked away. I began to fear that someone was trying to silence me. So I decided to take action. I went directly to the public prosecutor's office in the town of Lucca and provided a detailed statement about my UFO experience, ensuring that it was documented and officially on record. I work for a security company. We install CCTV on construction sites. One night about 2 a.m., our response officer gets a call from the monitoring station to say there's a guy walking around one of the buildings under construction. They described him as tall, dressed in all black with his hood up, but couldn't see his face because he had his back to the camera. 
He wasn't stealing or vandalizing, just wandering around, surely homeless looking for shelter. So the response goes to investigate. When he gets there, there's nobody around, so he asks the station to check the camera covering, the only way in or out of the building, to see which direction he went. Nothing. He does a full patrol of the site, and there's no trace of anyone. The only other way for this guy to get out was to shimmy down the scaffolding, and he could be hurt, so the officer asks the station to do a check on all of the camera footage through the night. Nothing. The next day, we asked the station to send over the stills from when they initially picked the intruder up. He's not on any of them. Just footage of our response officer waking around. We were pretty freaked out talking about it in the office, and it was laughed off as the monitoring officer being sleepy and seeing things, except the cameras we use have IR beams, and they only alert the monitoring station when someone breaks them. It was a 2 a.m. type late on a Friday night after a party. Me and her, both 18, are at the local state park admiring the moonlight and each other's private parts at the lakeside. I hear slow, calculated footsteps behind us, the kind of slow that makes you think someone is trying to hide their approach. I don't remember if it was crunchy leaves or what that gave them away, but I'm just glad I turned around. I look back and see two shadow figures were there, coming towards us from the road and maybe 50 yards away. My car was behind them, and we are definitely the only people in the entire park at this time late at night. I stand up and I say out loud something like, Guys, what's up? They don't respond, but keep moving towards us until I say to them with a little more tension, stop moving. They stop maybe 30 feet from us and are a little more visible now. One's got a tank top and camo pants, the other has full camo pants and jacket and what I'm pretty sure was a black paintball mask. Tank top guy starts with, uh, hey guys, sorry, what he didn't mean to scare you, then says they were just noticing my car parked there illegally, and that cops ticket all the time here at night. So I said thank you for letting us know, but then they didn't move. Awkward silence. I said great thank you. Again, and still nothing except Tank Top tried to talk about parking tickets again. I noticed Paintball Mask had his hands stuffed in his jacket pockets, so I thought it was time to ask him to remove them. Another awkward silence. Of course he didn't, so I asked him again. Another silence. He finally removed them, and that was it. The guys walked away and kind of just disappeared into the woods. We ran to our car, spooked, and couldn't stop checking in the rearview mirror the whole way out of the park. We checked the computer when we got home and found out all kinds of complaints were being made there about assaults on couples at night. In the 80s, there was a serial murderer on couples there, too, who'd never been caught. All around spooky, and until now, I unnecessary laser, focus hearing behind me at night. Fifteen years ago, I went camping with two school friends in Bushland that backed onto my dad's property in Wurra Yalik, Australia. My dad didn't spend much time at the house, but said we could use it as a base to dump any gear we might not need. He also gave me a heads up that he might creep up to our campsite that night and scare the guys I was with. 
We hiked from the house for about four hours through very dense bush, where we found a clearing and decided to set up our camp. Looking around the place for firewood, we kept turning up a lot of old bones. Some so old, they almost looked like wood. We concluded that due to the land once being used for farming, it was likely they were cow bones. We came up with a few more theories for the sake of scaring each other, then built our fire, even burning a couple of the wood, like bones just to see what would happen, and settled in. I was woken up by one of my buddies at about 1 a.m. who said he swears he saw a torchlight on the tent wall. Excellent, I thought. We sat in silence for a few minutes before the light came back. This was great. I really hammed it up, making up stories about murders in the area and escaped prisoners. The light from the torch fixed on our tent, then switched off. We could hear leaves and sticks moving around outside, and my buddies were on the verge of tears. Then we started hearing whispering outside, as well as some low mumbling. Dad had brought some friends in on the prank, dedicated. The torchlight came back on and pressed right up to the tent wall, and a hand began tapping across the top while the whispering continued. My dad had brought some friends in on the prank and convinced them to walk four hours through dense scrub in the middle of the night just to shine a torch on our tent. I started to panic. Then it just stopped completely. About an hour after it began, we sat in total silence, aside from the sobbing of my buddies, and at dawn packed up and got the F out. We got back to the house, and Dad was there. He apologized and said he'd planned to come out and see us last night, but fell asleep at his girlfriend's house. We told him about what happened, and he was genuinely dumbfounded. Interestingly, I went back to the spot a couple of years ago after telling this story to a friend. We found a small shack made of corrugated iron pockmarked with bullet holes, a 44-gallon drum full of burned clothes, a pile of firewood, and two axes. Who knows if it's related, but it was creepy. Spent a week with a Shore family in the Amazon, about 15 miles from Chon, Ecuador. Little background. Three of us gringo medical pre-medical students were staying with them on a medical education rotation, learning about traditional remedies, it was a blast. We stayed in a separate shelter from the family, and the walls of our shelter was decorated with giant snake skins and tigre skins, those beasts that had wandered too close to camp over the years. The jungle is a loud place to sleep. Millions of animals and insects clamor all night long, and it blends into a sort of peaceful cacophony. After the gunshot rang out at 3 a.m., the cacophony was gone absolute silence. It was the scariest sound I had ever heard. We clung to my two and knife, telling ourselves that it would protect us from whatever was coming. We cowered across from the entrance to our shelter, awaiting what was to come. Certain a tiger was lurking, or that our lovely hosts had decided they were sick of us. We sat and shivered through the night. The silence was terrifying. When the sun rose and we finally felt confident enough to venture outside, it turned out an unlucky capybara wandered through camp during the night. Poor Lyle Bugger got shot in the face at 3 a.m. and was the first meat we had eaten all week by 7 a.m. Tasted like greasy venison. I'll never forget that night or that lovely family. 
I'm typing this just as I got home, and I'm getting more creeped out the more I think about this. So me and two friends were in the woods at a sort of park just outside of town. There's a cool scrapyard with a bunch of old quarry equipment that we were checking out. And by the time we're about to leave, it's gone from dusk to dark. We use the flashlights on our phone to navigate out of the scrapyard until we get to the trail. Getting ready for a ten-minute walkout, we decide to cut the lights and see if our eyes will adjust. This scrapyard's in an open part of the woods, and we were just going back into the tree line on the trail when I heard a stick crack and leaves rustling right to our left, about five feet in, front of us right off the trail. Not knowing what this was, I stopped walking for a sec to make sure I wasn't just hearing things. I couldn't really see anything, but as I was pulling out my phone to turn on the flashlight, this weird, deep but loud growl came from right in front of us. Right away, we all just printed away and back towards the scrapyard. We decided to go through the scrapyard and onto the trail on the other side that led right out to the road, but a 15 men walk away from that parking lot where my car was. When we got back to my car, there was a police car parked in front of me, blocking my car off. We saw the cop at the entrance to the trails with a flashlight on and waited for her to come to us. She asked us if we had seen a person in the woods and described him as five feet seven, wearing all black with long blonde hair. We asked her if he was missing, and she said, no, he's not a missing person, but they're looking for him. We told her we hadn't, and she took our names, and we left. Upon leaving, we saw a total of 11 cop cars spread out, some together along this road beside the woods. I originally thought that we encountered a black bear, however, my friend who was with us hunts a lot and said it definitely wasn't a bear, and in fact he had never heard an animal make a growl like that before, and I have to admit, neither have I. The growl sounded weirdly human, almost too perfectly scary. Plus, if it was a bear, by running away, we would have been mauled. I am really confused and honestly creeped out. We've looked at several videos of different animals growling, but there's not too many where I live. Was it the guy the police were looking for? Was he insane or something? If it was this guy who growled at us, why? We are going back to the spot tomorrow, this time with some bear mace and knives, etc., just in case to see if we can find any bear paw prints anywhere around. Update 1. According to our local Facebook groups, it was just a guy who was lost and police located him about half an hour after we left. We did tell the police about where we heard the bear. Maybe it was something else. Maybe the guy was actually crazy. Going back there in half an hour, I'll keep updating. Update 2. We went back to the spot this morning and spent about an hour looking around for any clues as to what was growling at us. We couldn't see any prints or anything indicating something else was there. At this point, we're all still confused, and I think it's going to stay that way. Angler here. One night, while at my favorite fishing spot, my friend and I heard a noise. Now this sounded like some rustling about ten feet or three meter away in some bushes. Now my friend called it off as just a rabbit, but I insisted on listening. Now that was no rabbit, but instead steps. Well, in the region I'm from, 
We have quite a lot of coyotes. So we pass it off as a mangy, curious beast catching a glimpse of our fire. So, to progress the night and feel easy, we began to make noise and toss sticks and rocks to the bush. After a lengthy sit by the fire and a few more pops, we headed home, leaving a few belongings behind. Well, when we returned the next day to retrieve our left belongings, we noticed two sets of tracks, one large, one small. These, my friends, belong to cats. Oh yes, one mighty big cat and her cub. The feeling I had in my stomach was not due to the beverages from the night before, but the feeling of cheating death. I drove to Peekskill in upstate New York with my wife to check on the property we had bought for our summer home. As we arrived at the entrance to a dirt trail leading to our land, I pulled the car off the highway and we both started walking towards the back of the property. The area was wooded and stretched about 300 yards before dropping off in a steep bank and continuing up the slope of the mountain or hill. We wandered around taking mental notes for our future house. As the sun began to set and darkness set in, we decided to make our way back to the highway, which was about a mile away. It was then that my wife called my attention to a light shining through the trees. In a particularly good mood and feeling calm and absent, minded, I didn't hesitate and started walking towards the light. We walked for about 200 feet until we reached a large rock. Suddenly we noticed a shiny, brassy-like object on the ground or slightly above it, accompanied by a figure standing next to it. We were both certain that the figure was that of a woman. For a brief moment my mind seemed to go blank or numb, as I didn't feel afraid while trying to observe the figure. I wanted to take a peek inside the object as its port or door was open. However, the interior appeared hazy or misty. Through the port, I could only make out a few glass, like rods with bluish spheres on their ends. There were also some black pipes visible. The top of the object had a brassy color with a dimpled or hammered texture, while the bottom had a peculiar gleam similar to stainless steel, dull and shiny at the same time. Pipes extended from the bottom of the top and went down to the edge of the object. The female entity standing nearby wore a black rubber-like hood that reached halfway down her back and it seemed inflated, as I could observe it pulsating or changing in size. The woman's fingers appeared unusually flexible, as I thought I saw them bending in a wrong way, although I couldn't be certain if it was due to the strange lighting. She held a tube in one hand, which connected to the port, and a black box with an attached wire in the other. Her face was covered by a plastic-like mask, and she wore goggles. The woman's eyes seemed luminous, shining through the dark goggles. It was at that moment that the realization struck me that this was not something to casually observe, and I began trembling like a leaf. My wife held onto my hand so tightly it hurt, seemingly frozen in place. I tugged at her, but she remained stiff as a board and wouldn't budge until I forcefully shook her. I half dragged her into the car, started the engine, and sped away from there. After driving for about three miles, I stopped to check on my wife. She was pale as a sheet, her mouth moving, but unable to form words. I restarted the car, but found that I couldn't drive due to my feet and legs shaking uncontrollably. 
Later examination of the location revealed signs that a heavy oval object had been there at some point, or perhaps the area had been trampled over. The icy wilderness of Alaska beckoned to us with its unforgiving beauty, a pristine, desolate landscape where only the hardiest of souls dared to venture. We were a group of hunting friends, bound not only by our shared love for the hunt, but also by a deep-seated desire to conquer the challenge of hunting in the harshest of conditions. Little did we know that this expedition would push us to the brink of our endurance, pitting us against a supernatural force born of myth and terror. We set out well prepared, our gear and supplies carefully selected to withstand the biting cold of the Alaskan winter. Our rifles were oiled, our senses sharpened, and our spirits high. The snow crunched beneath our boots as we trekked into the heart of the wilderness, the very thought of the hunt fueling our determination. Yet, as the days passed and temperatures plummeted to bone, chilling lows, we soon realized that we were at the mercy of Mother Nature herself. Our supplies dwindled faster than expected, and the merciless cold gnawed at our spirits. It was as if the wilderness itself sought to test our resolve. Then came the first sign that something was amiss. It was a frigid night, the stars sparkling like diamonds in the inky sky. When we heard it, a strange echoing cry that pierced the stillness of the wilderness. It was a sound like nothing we had ever encountered. A Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mournful, otherworldly wail that sent shivers down our spines. We huddled together, our breath visible in the freezing air, trying to rationalize the source of the eerie sound. But as the nights wore on, the cries persisted, growing louder and more haunting with each passing night. We dared not speak of our growing unease, fearing that acknowledging our fear would give it more power. It was on a particularly dark and moonless night when the terror escalated. We were gathered around our campfire, the flames flickering in the biting cold when it happened. From the shadows emerged a creature unlike anything we had ever seen. It moved with an unnatural grace, its emaciated form and elongated limbs twisted in grotesque ways. Its eyes, devoid of humanity, gleamed with malevolence. A primal fear seized us and we reacted without thinking. Without a word, we abandoned our camp leaving behind our gear and supplies. We ran deep into the woods, fueled by sheer terror, the echoes of that nightmarish wail still ringing in our ears. We did not sleep a wink that night, our backs pressed against ancient trees, our eyes scanning the darkness for any sign of the creature, our hearts pounded in our chests, and the bitter cold seeped into our very bones. With the first light of dawn, we made a silent pact to leave that accursed wilderness behind, to abandon our hunt 
in our supplies and to retreat to the safety of civilization. We never spoke of our encounter with the Wendigo to anyone, not even to each other. It was a secret too horrifying to put into words, a terror that would forever haunt our dreams, the memory of those echoing cries in the Alaskan wilderness and the malevolent creature that pursued us would stay with us until our dying days. A tale of survival, unspeakable fear, and a decision to leave behind the unexplainable horrors that lurked in the frozen depths of the wild. Hunted near Feline Rescue Center and bow hunting, one day I saw a jaguar walking through the woods. It had escaped from the makeshift zoo this guy was running out of his house. I told him his cat was out in the woods. He denies it and said that it was still in the fence, although he had a quarter of beef hanging on the outside of his fence, trying to get it to come back. It was out for several weeks, and other people in the area saw it as well. It was even a story in the local paper. Finally, he got it back into his fenced area. He has about 100 cats, lions, leopards, jags. He takes them in from closed zoos, circus, and anybody that had a cat as a pet and wants to get rid of it, you can Google it, Feline Rescue Center Point, Indiana. My old friend's family has a vacation house on the Hood Canal of the Pudget Sound. It is out in the wilderness with 70-plus acres of land. Only other residents are some cousins, friends, and the landlord. Anyways, me and my friend were driving his all-terrain vehicle through the forest. We looked over and saw a tall, black, humanoid creature running at the same speed as us. But we were going over 40 miles per hour. And by tall, I mean like 10 feet tall. It then started crawling and then disappeared into the trees. And it wasn't just our imaginations. We both saw it. After some frantic driving, we eventually stopped and stepped off listening to the forest, and we could hear heavy footsteps and branches cracking, and we returned to the all-terrain vehicle just to find that it ran out of fuel. We had to call his dad to pick us up in his truck, and we were luckily fine. I also learned from his dad a story that before the new house was built, an old cabin was there prior. Back in the 1950s, an old man lived there, and he was a lumberjack. He was a stereotypical get-off-my-lawn old angry man. One day, some teens who lived in another house, now where one of my friend's cousins has a house, came to his property, and when the man yelled at them to go home, they mocked him. This led the man to grab his shotgun and shoot at them and wound one of the kids in the hand. He got put into jail but was released. He then later disappeared out in the forest. Nobody knows where he went. He either got crushed by a tree, cut down, or something much worse happened to him out there. My friend tells me stories all the time about things he sees out there. His own regular house back in the city is also haunted. It's a mansion built in 1909, and even myself has experienced many wild things there. Like figures and voices. Also, his whole family tells how they hear things falling over upstairs when alone sometimes. It's been about 10 years ago now, but I was a college professor at a local university in my area. 
This was a college for an accelerated program. People were generally in cohorts that took one to three years to complete. Generally, classes met once a week for four hours. This specific class was during the winter months, so it was getting dark about the time this class started, and it ended at 11 p.m. There had never been anything peculiar happening when I would leave, and often I was the last one there because my class ended the latest. One night I had to stay and do grades for the end of the semester, and as I was walking to my car, I noticed a woman running toward me from the other side of the parking lot. I was already in my car by the time I noticed she was getting closer and closer to me, but I wasn't able to get the car started and drive away by the time she got to me. She closed the distance between us incredibly fast. She was yelling, but I couldn't understand what she was saying. She didn't have on much as it looked like she was wearing biker shorts that hit above the knee, a tight-fitting tank top, and flip-flops. It was an unseasonably warm January, but it still wasn't warm outside. I barely cracked the window so I could ask if she was okay. I would never have forgiven myself if I drove away and she was actually in distress and needed help. She kept telling me that she needed a ride to the gas station. I was not letting her in my car. I told her I wasn't able to give her a ride. She then put her hand into the crack in the window, but it wasn't enough for her to get her whole hand in. I told her to leave and that I was driving off. She did stood in front of my car with her hands on the hood and was refusing to let me drive. I was genuinely concerned that maybe someone was after her, but I started to get very uncomfortable and got a very eerie feeling about this point in the interaction. She started telling me that she just needed cigarettes and didn't understand why I couldn't give her a ride. I told her I was unable to do that and that I was going to call the police and I was going to drive away. I'm not exactly sure how I maneuvered my car, and I was able to reverse from where she was standing, and then I was able to make a very fast U-turn and leave the parking lot. I did call the police department and reported this entire situation, but I'm sure the woman was gone by the time the police arrived. Every now and then I find myself thinking back to this night and trying to understand what was actually happening. Was she trying to rob me? Was she actually in danger? It's like she came out of nowhere from the woods behind campus. It's always bothered me. I'm grateful that I'm safe, but it was just such a strange, unexpected interaction that left me very creeped out. I've got something pretty freaky. Last summer in Alaska, a buddy of mine was on a fly fishing trip. He is one of my good friends very honest, big conservationist, and sort of innocent in his demeanor. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Just an all-around great guy. Anyway, he is camping in the backcountry as he is rafting his way down the river back to town. On his raft and camping with him were two girls and one other guy. So one night on this trip, they are camping and hanging out at the fire and pretty close to going to sleep. So they are working on putting the fire out. At this point, everyone at camp saw the silhouette of a stocky man and a dog. From what my friend says, this man starts mumbling at them, and they can't tell what he's saying. He is about 20 feet away from my buddy and his campmates. My friend and the other guy go to confront him. He seemed like he was in a panic, and my friend said there was definitely something wrong with him mentally. He starts talking about how he is a messenger from God and how he had the solution. 
No one knew what he was talking about. He ends up walking his way back to the campsite, to the dismay of a group. The girls were obviously freaked out and scared and told my friend he needed to leave. Something about him just felt wrong and troublesome. My friend said his dog was nice, but again this stranger starts talking about how he is a disciple from God. Then he pulled out a gaming laptop and started showing my friend some code he wrote but didn't pay too much attention to. He mentioned to me that the stranger isn't aggressive, just off, pudding. It's worth noting he only had a small backpack and no serious outdoor gear. He told my friend that he wanders the woods and occasionally heads into town. So eventually they convince him to leave camp, telling the stranger they were going to bed. He agrees to leave. But three hours later, they hear something outside the tent that sounds like a man yelling yo-ho, and they come outside to find the campfire roaring again. The whole group stayed up the rest of the night with their bear spray and continued the camping trip downstream the next morning. Every time my friend has told me this story, he is visibly disturbed. My friend still wonders what he was doing out there with only a dog, no gear, and miles into the woods. I'm from the Netherlands and this happened to me. I hope someone can help me out because it has been haunting me for years now. When I was younger, I always had this feeling someone was standing behind me and I saw black shadows every morning. I stopped seeing them and moved on until this happened. One night I saw this figure in the middle of my room against the wall. It was very tall, like nine feet or something. Very skinny, like you could see his ribs and spine had gray blackish skin. It had big black eyes and a lurking smile with sharp teeth. It had very long limbs, arms, legs, feet, hands. I remember it had a chain around its neck and it had little horns. It was very slow. At that time I was in an abusive relationship and I was very depressed. It seemed to haunt me every time I got into a new relationship. If I brought my girlfriend home, my behavior changed. I got grumpy and irritated, and if she gave me love, I got terrified. My whole body started to shake, and talking was hard. When we broke up, everything was fine again, and I could leave it behind. After years, I started dating again. But the minute I brought someone home, it was like, nope, this doesn't feel right. And I got this overwhelming feeling again, even with friends sometimes. I tried to block this whole thing, but it's only possible if I stay alone. My sister saw it standing on the stairs to my room one day. She described it the same as how I saw it that one time, but it didn't do anything. She said it just stood there. After a while, I met this girl. She said she was spiritual and locked it in a spell jar after I got a panic attack again. We broke up and it felt like something was missing. I saw the jar and immediately opened it. What could this be? That one time was the only time I saw it but I feel his presence now and then. It's like I could imagine it next to me. I just hope someone can help. I'm not scared of it anymore because it's harmless, so far as I know. It's just still in my mind. I had multiple theories about what it could be, like a lost soul or something. Weirdly, it is quiet now. I do have a girlfriend at the moment. Sometimes I thought it was protecting me, if that makes sense. My exes were very abusive and manipulative. 
My girlfriend now is very supportive, and it's just a healthy relationship, and it is quiet. Other commenters described their own experiences. Pretty much the same thing happened to me. Ditto on the toxic relationship at the time, pretty sure it was during one of my lowest points depression. Wise, the only thing is this humanoid had a Hamburg-type hat on and a long cape. It was standing over me during a sleep paralysis event and had both of its hands hovering over my chest like it was both trying to keep me from moving and also like stealing my soul. The figure's fingers were extremely long, pale and with sharp tips reminiscent of the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth. Didn't really notice nails, though, just pointy and long fingers. When I was finally able to move, the thing just dissipated into the ceiling. Literally felt like a demon feeding off low vibrational fearful frequencies. The next comment. I've seen something similar where I grew up. The countryside in Denmark. A tall figure about two meters tall or more. Long skinny arms and legs. It didn't do anything. Just stared at my buddy and me. A couple of weeks later, my sister and her boyfriend saw the same thing. Not far from where I saw it. They were taking our dog for an evening walk, and suddenly it appeared about 30 meters from them. Again, just staring. The dog began to whimper and flee with the tail between its legs, then ran home and locked the doors. About a week later, we found a mutilated deer on our farm. The abdomen was torn, ripped open, and the guts were all over the place. The biggest predators we have in this part of the country are foxes and badgers, and I don't think they can attack and do that to an adult deer. Shortly after my whole family moved, some to another farm, others to a semi-large town. I am living in the town now, but I swear sometimes I still see it in the dark. got stalked by a mountain lion on a hike. It was late at night. We're in a group of about five and didn't have enough flashlights to go around, so we gave one to the person in front and one to me in back. I felt like I was being watched, and so I real quick flashed the light around and turned my head, saw a pair of green eyes attached to a body slink back off the trail a little bit. Our light wasn't powerful enough to get a super good bead on it, but every 30 seconds or so thereafter, I would turn around and flash the light up the trail. Probably saw something about 75% of my turnarounds. It followed us for probably half hour until we were 10 minutes from the cars. The people I was hiking with didn't notice, and mountain lions don't often jump large groups of adults. But I wasn't really about statistically. We're probably fine at that point. No one else noticed, and I didn't say a word while it was following us. Really didn't want to run the risk of a panic. I'll never forget the story my co-worker shared with me about their encounter in a remote forest in Canada. It was during their bird-surveying expedition when they stumbled upon something that sent shivers down their spine. The memory of their experience has haunted me ever since, as they ventured deeper into the forest following the sounds of chirping birds. My co-worker came across an abandoned campsite. It appeared to have been left untouched for several years, probably around five to ten years. The tent had collapsed, worn down by time and the elements, but the rest of the campsite seemed eerily intact. 
A clothesline stretched between two trees, swaying gently in the breeze. Dishes lay scattered on the ground, covered in a thick layer of dirt and fallen leaves. Other miscellaneous items were strewn about, hinting at the presence of past campers. It was as if time had stopped in this forgotten corner of the forest. My co-worker's initial curiosity quickly turned into a sense of unease. There was an eerie silence surrounding the campsite, broken only by the rustling of leaves under their feet. Despite the absence of any apparent danger or signs of foul play, an unexplainable feeling of dread washed over them. With an instinctive sense of self-preservation, my co-worker decided to abandon any further exploration of the campsite. They made a swift exit, not daring to peek inside the collapsed tent. The mystery of what had transpired in that desolate campsite was left unsolved, buried beneath layers of nature's disguise. To this day, I find myself unable to shake the morbid curiosity that grips me whenever I think about that campsite. What had happened there? Why was everything left untouched? What had driven my co-worker to hastily retreat without investigating further? It's a chilling reminder that there are countless untold stories hidden within the depths of our world. Sometimes it's better to let those mysteries lie undisturbed, preserving their enigmatic allure. But the haunting curiosity lingers, forever tugging at the edges of my mind, begging for answers that may never be found. Let's start off with my granddaughter, Anna, who is a toddler with sensitive abilities. I understand if it seems unbelievable, but it is basically being more tuned to unnatural occurrences. I am also sensitive. I began not wanting to be in a room from about one month of age. This has severely escalated. She has been waking up anywhere from 2-3 a.m. each night, screaming as if she is terrified and will not go back to sleep until 8-9 a.m. Her parents cannot put her back in her room. She is so terrified. They take her to the main level and attempt to get her back to sleep. When I was watching her about a month ago, I was changing her diaper in her room. She kept looking at the closet door, terrified, and was pointing and trying to tell me something. This has continued. I started to wonder if the old woman who died in this condo may still be around. A little background on her... She was the only woman who died in that home and had a gay son, so she had no grandchildren. I dealt with this myself as a toddler. I had a woman who came out of the closet and stood by my crib, and I know I wasn't the only one to have seen her. I am not sensing anything abnormal or paranormal. I decided to invite the old woman to move on if it was her. I reassured her that the home and its members in it were taking good care of the home and the adults and the baby. I did this three weeks ago after baby showed up with superficial scratches. They were on the inside of her arm and looked like a bird's foot. There was a point with three lines fanning from it. I questioned my daughter and she did not know how she got it. She later had the same scratch marks on the side of her neck. I only slept through the first three nights after I invited the old lady to move on. Well, let me say all hell has broke loose since I invited the old lady to move on. I had a horrible nightmare that involved someone from beneath the earth's surface grabbing my lower legs and attempting to pull me under the surface. I woke up terrified. 
My husband asked me how I got the horrible bruises on my lower legs. I looked behind my legs. It looked like someone grabbed them. They were finger bruising and other bruises. It weirded me out. I appeared with some odd scratches inside my arms. Then my daughter, then Anya, with a perfectly straight superficial scratch between her eyebrows. As if that weren't bad enough, my other daughter, the youngest, now has started getting bruises. She and I live in the same house, and my other daughter with Anna lives across town. This last weekend, my daughter showed up with the same bruising on her lower legs. I again asked the old lady to move on. Maybe not my best move. They started having issues with their hot water heater not working. After a plumber and the electrician did some digging, they discovered the breaker was flipped not only inside, but also outside at the box for the whole condo complex. Nobody in that condo unit touched it, and nobody can just walk into my daughter's complex. They had the electric company out three times within 12 hours. Well, my daughter took on replacing the upper and lower heating elements with no results. The plumber came out yesterday and thought it was the upper and lower thermostat. He replaced them and still nothing. He thought it was the breakers. The electrician came out and discovered it was not the breakers, but frayed and arching wires that were no longer grounded. He could see there were charred marks on top of the hot water heater. The location of this is under the stairs to the second level, the only interior second floor escape. I discovered there was only one smoke detector on the upper level, located in the hall. The how heater is under the doorway of Anna room, basically at the landing at the top of the stairs. Her parents would not have been able to reach her safely. The electrician and we are questioning how the electrical wires could have become burned. I now am worried that we are not dealing with the old lady, but maybe something else. We are now having stuff happening at both homes. My name is Arthur, and I'm a Californian. I used to work as a ranger at Sequoia National Park from 1994 to 1997. Before I start, I just want to say that I'm crying as I write this because the memories are extremely traumatic. It happened in 1997 in my last year working as a ranger. It was also this event that got me fired. I was patrolling an area that was not very frequented by visitors because of the density of the bushes and because it was an easy area to get lost. I had received a report of loud sounds coming from there, sounds that were scaring the visitors, making them think there was a bear on the loose or something. It was noon and I was driving around the area with a jeep and a tranquilizer rifle just in case. Something was really there. I spent one hour driving around and I stopped the jeep, exited it, and was standing by the open door. I was about to pick up my walkie, talkie, and report the situation to one of the other rangers that were patrolling the other side when I heard something on my left, a loud growl. I looked, and there was a big reddish-brown thing with wide shoulders, long arms, and huge human hands looking at me. This part really breaks me every time I remember it because I got paralyzed in fear at the moment because this thing was bigger than any grizzly bear and was glaring at me with a face that I can only describe as a hungry predator. I felt like an ambushed prey. I stood there, and this thing charged at me with full force and I entered the jeep almost instantly. 
The creature crashed into the jeep, breaking the door's window, and the thing grunted in pain. I turned the jeep on and accelerated beyond the speed limit of the park. I looked behind for a second, and this monster was running after the jeep on all fours, just like a chimp. I panicked even more, and I increased the speed, and some curves later, I finally lost him. I arrived at the ranger station, and there was nobody there. I remember being so panicked that I locked myself inside a bathroom, and I'm certain that I fainted because I remember that everything went black. When I woke up, it was 9 p.m., and the other rangers were looking for me. My boss confronted me about the jeep, having one of the sides damaged with a broken window, and when I told him that a big animal attacked me, he got angry at me, called me a liar who sleeps on the job, and accused me of crashing the jeep on a tree and making stories up to not to get in trouble, and fired me. I did years and years of therapy, and it didn't work. The memories still haunt me, and I still have nightmares and sudden panic attacks. I know the thing that tried to snatch me was a Bigfoot and not a bear. Bears don't have human faces, human hands, and wide shoulders, and they don't have freakishly long limbs. I lived with these memories for more than 20 years, and this is my first time telling the story ever since. Thank you for reading this. Rustler Peak, towering at 6,205 feet, held secrets that were waiting to be unraveled. It was in this realm, specifically in Section 10, that we stumbled upon a phenomenon that defied explanation. Twisted trees. Their contorted forms stood as silent witnesses to an unseen force that permeated the area, leaving us in awe of the mysteries that lay hidden within. But it was our most recent expedition that etched itself deep within our memories. We embarked on a thrilling mountain biking adventure, venturing north of Rustler Peak. The wind whispered through the trees, carrying with it an air of anticipation. Little did we know that the true essence of the unknown was lurking just around the corner. As we pedaled forward, a wave of putrid odor assaulted our senses, overpowering even the freshness of the mountain air. It was a stench unlike anything we had encountered before, a repugnant aroma that twisted our faces in disgust. The smell permeated the very essence of the landscape, seeping into our souls and leaving an indelible mark. Curiosity mingled with apprehension as we explored further, following the trail of this peculiar scent. It was not the smell of decay or death, but rather something altogether inexplicable. The intensity grew with each passing moment, casting a shadow of unease over our adventurous spirit. The landscape shifted before our eyes, the atmosphere thick with an otherworldly presence. We were no longer just mountain bikers traversing the terrain. We had become explorers of the unknown, unraveling the enigma that surrounded us. The scent guided our path, leading us deeper into the heart of mystery, with every pedal stroke, our hearts raced, a mixture of exhilaration and trepidation coursing through our veins. The unseen force that had twisted the trees seemed to manifest itself in this inexplicable odor, pulling us further into its enigmatic embrace. We were on the cusp of something extraordinary, standing at the precipice of understanding. But alas, the answers eluded us. The source of the odor remained concealed, teasing us with its presence yet refusing to reveal itself fully. 
we were left with a sense of awe and wonder, our minds buzzing with questions that would remain unanswered. Four years may have passed since that encounter, but the memories are as vivid as if they had happened yesterday. Rustler Peak, with its twisted trees and unexplained odors, continues to beckon to us, a reminder that the world we inhabit is teeming with mysteries waiting to be discovered. As I reminisce about those moments, a spark of curiosity ignites within me, urging me to seek out new adventures, to delve deeper into the realms of the unknown. Rustler Peak has imprinted itself upon my soul, forever reminding me that there is more to this world than meets the eye, a tapestry of wonder and perplexity that begs to be explored.